Hello, and welcome to the GVA Legal Podcast. My name is Jean Kambuni, and I'm your host. On today's episode, we'll be discussing recordation with the Anti-Counterfeit Authority. To discuss this topic in studio with me is Dr. John Akotem. He's the Director, Research, Policy and Quality Assurance with the Anti-Counterfeit Authority. And co-hosting this episode with me is my colleague, Wilson Wahome, who is an associate in the intellectual property and anti-counterfeit practice area here at Gikera and Vadgama Advocates. Welcome, Dr. Akoteng. Thank you so much. Welcome. It's good to have you here. And welcome, Wahome. Thank you so much, Jean. And we're going to go right into the episode. Who is the anti-counterfeit authority and what is your mandate? Dr. Akoteng. Thank you so much, Jean, for inviting me uh, to this uh, podcast. Now, the Anti-Counterfeit Authority is a state corporation uh, in the Ministry of Investments, uh, Trade and Industry, and it's mandated to combat counterfeiting in Kenya. It was established in the year 2010 uh, under the Anti-Counterfeit Act of 2008. The Section 5 of the Anti-Counterfeit Act provides the functions of ACA. Uh, the first function is on issues of public awareness, where we educate the public on issues of counterfeiting, as well as intellectual property right infringements, the second one is on capacity building, where we devise uh, training programs uh, to build the capacity of uh, various stakeholders. For example, like you know, the law enforcement institutions, including uh, Kenya Revenue Authority, uh, Kenya Bureau of Standards, Weight and Measures, and so on. And then the other one, because counterfeiting cuts across quite a number of uh, uh, sectors, so this is the coordination aspect. Because if we look at counterfeiting, uh, it also goes hand in hand with other forms of illicit trade, like substandard and so on. So the coordination aspect is very, very important. And then the other one is uh, providing policy advice uh, to the cabinet secretary um, uh, through research. So the other function is uh, conducting research uh, studies on issues of counterfeiting and intellectual property rights. And finally, the issue about uh, enforcement, where we have our own law enforcement uh, officers who are mandated to conduct our investigations on issues of IP infringement. Now, I'm going to ask a question that um, in impacts your work and the importance of your institution. Um, how much is really lost by, in terms of business by um, trade in illicit products and counterfeit goods? Well, probably maybe before I go to that question, um, we also borrow our mandate uh, from the Constitution of Kenya, 2010. If you look at Article 40, sub-Article 5, it mandates the state to do three things. One is to support to promote and protect the intellectual property rights of the people of Kenya. But we also have other articles uh, in the constitution. Uh, if you look at Article 11, uh, sub-Article 2C, it also talks about uh, the state to promote the intellectual property rights of the people of Kenya. 46.1C also talks about the right to protection of the health, safety, and economic interests. That is uh, the rights of uh, the consumers, because the consumers have a right to, uh, to ensure that uh, we protect them. Uh, from any injuries arising from the consumptions of various goods. Then if you look at uh, subsection uh, Article 69, 1C and E, it talks about the protection of intellectual property right in indigenous uh, knowledge, biodiversity, as well as the genetic uh, resources. This way we talk about you know, quite a number of these other IPs uh, that come from the community. And then finally, uh, if you look at the definition of uh, property under Article 260, it places intellectual property as one of the properties that you can actually mention that, you know, is, is, a, is a property that is quite, it's like a tangible a property, which you can actually use it even to get uh, collateral. Now, coming to the second question that you mm -hmm. have mentioned about um, the impact of counterfeiting. 
we we did a study some time back in the year 2020 on the magnitude of counterfeiting and other forms of illicit trade as you well know that uh, the counterfeit authorities mandate is to combat counterfeiting but when you look at illicit trade illicit trade also includes in counterfeiting as well as, well as also other forms of illicit trade for example like substandard and so on so our mandate basically is just on um, on, on counterfeiting but uh, in this particular study we also looked at other forms of illicit trade and we found out that uh, the magnitude of uh, illicit trade was 726 billion in the year 2017 and this rose to 826 billion in the year 2018 a rise of around 14% now this represents uh, in terms of the manufacturing sector's uh, share in the gdp of 8.9% in the year 2017 increasing to 9.3% in the year 2018 which is way above slightly above the share in the gdp so you find that uh, illicit trade is actually um, kind of moving together with the, with the, with the manufacturing sectors uh, share in the gdp now in terms of the farm sales losses this was 176 billion in the year 2016 but it went down to 72 billion in the year 2018 so this is the sales that farms lose as a result of illicit trade now if you look at the investment loss opportunity uh, loss uh, through the, because of the investments this somehow increased from 44 billion in the year 2016 to 123 billion in the year 2018 a rise of 178%. So this is what uh, manufacturers are losing uh, from those investment opportunities uh, arising from uh, counterfeiting and other forms of illicit trade. And then in terms of the employment loss, uh, we registered uh, a loss of 7600 jobs in the year 2016 and this rose to 44200 jobs in the year 2018. Uh, a very big rise in terms of the job losses. And finally, Uh, the government also loses revenue because of illicit trade and uh, uh, there was an increase of uh, 130 billion in the year 2017 to 153 billion in the year 2018 a rise of 18% so you can see the impact of illicit trade is quite huge and it keeps on increasing over time it's true and i see um in fact if i could break it down into the three things that i feel like you're saying there's three, ty- three types of losses that i hadn't even considered so the first is the loss to the company themselves so the intellectual property rights have been violated the they lose revenue in terms of things that they could have sold that are either um sold through counterfeit or through through illicit trade and then there's the loss to the consumer themselves so you also have a mandate to protect the consumer from illicit goods and from counterfeited goods that would be substandard or subpar and would impact the um consumer and then finally there's also a loss that is occasioned by the government due to loss of taxation revenue for instance so i i, I hadn't realized that those three things and here we've only looked at the loss that happens on the financial monetary side to the business we've not even looked at the other side what happens to a consumer for instance if they are injured from the use of a good that has been counterfeited um you're right So I want to bring us down into recordation and its importance and what you're doing. So what is recordation of intellectual property rights? I thank you so much uh, Jane for that question. Uh when you talk about um IPR recordation, remember that IPR, uh, intellectual property rights, uh, it refers to the rights given to persons uh, over the creation of their mind. So if you come up with um some creativity, uh you would want to to register that particular, you know, uh, creativity. Uh, through registration so we come up with uh, intellectual property rights so uh, some of these rights of course include uh, trademarks uh, for example we have water aquamis and so on uh, we have the industrial designs if you look at the bottles the way it's been designed so that's the industrial design uh, we have the patent uh, 
that talks about you know the how a system works for example if it's a computer how make how does the computer work and so on so that's the patent and then we also have the utility models we have the copyright and so on so all these are intellectual property rights so these intellectual property rights they are registered by an institution for example in Kenya we have the Kenya Industrial Property Institute that registers uh, industrial designs you know patents and so on and then we have the copyrights that are administered by the Kenya Copyright Board. Now, when you're talking about uh, recordation, is that recordation basically refers the process of uh, collecting and entering that kind of information about the intellectual property right into an online database that can be accessed by you know a business person, whoever wants, let's say, to import goods and so on, be able to know what kind of intellectual property right has already been uh, recorded uh, with ACA. So this information has to be provided to ACA uh, and the intellectual property right doesn't have to be registered in Kenya. It can be registered elsewhere, but we collect that, that information and we put it in a system. So basically, recordation uh, is, in a nutshell, is recording uh, information about the intellectual property right that has already been registered by local institutions. And, um, Dr. Eve, in coming up with the concept of recordation, what was the logic or the objective behind that? Now, the main objective of recordation is that um, we need to deal with issues of uh, counterfeiting at the source. Because from our own research, we found out that uh, around 80% of counterfeits are imported. So it's only around 20% of uh, counterfeit which are locally manufactured. So for us really to deal with issues of imported uh, counterfeits, we came up with what's called uh, IPR recordation. This is a system that has also been used also in other countries like the US. And... Um, the, the, the main aim basically is to prevent the importation of counterfeits into the country uh, from the from the source country. Uh, okay, thank you. And maybe if you could just clarify for the sake of our audience, um, whether this uh, intellectual property rights recordation, where does it need to come from? Because you'll find, or as you said, um, in Kenya, some of the record, um, the intellectual property rights are recorded um, at Kipi, others at Kikobo. So if you are an importer of goods, where do you need to have uh, sort of applied for registration of your intellectual property before it can then come in? Now, um, the intellectual property right can be registered here in Kenya, can also be registered uh, elsewhere, of course, under the WIPO uh, mechanism. So when you're importing uh, any goods, uh, those goods would, of course, contain the intellectual property. So that's the intellectual property that you have to record with ACA. You have to indicate this particular uh, good as this kind of uh, intellectual property, whether it is patents or the industrial design and so on. So the essence of IPR recordation is to protect uh, brand owners from counterfeiting of their products. So for ACA to have that capacity of identifying the counterfeit goods, you need to tell us that uh, you know a particular uh, patent or a particular trademark actually uh, is your own you know, uh, trademark, is your own intellectual property. For us really to know that if somebody is counterfeiting it, then we'll be able to compare what is already in the system with the product that is being imported in the country. So then that way, we'll be able to protect now the consumers as well as also the brand owners uh, from counterfeiting. And which has really injurious, I mean, injurious uh, effect to their health and safety. That's very true. If I was to ask, what really is the difference between IPR recordation and IPR registration? That's a good question, uh, Jane. Now, I mentioned that, um, for example, you, you carry out some uh, creativity. Uh, either probably you come up with a new song. So that new song, uh, you would want to protect it. 
So that song probably belongs to Jean and you want to ensure that, uh, you know, the song is uh, assigned to you. So you go to the Kenya Copyright Board and you'll be able not to administer it. So you'll be able to register it. So basically registration is the issue of filing, make an application to a, a registering body. For example, like the Kenya Copyright Board for Copyrights or Kenya Industrial Property Institute for Lesser Trademark or Patents. For them now, for you to, to have the rights to own it and also to use that intellectual property. So that's what you call the IPR uh, registration. Now, recordation is basically um, picking all that details. For example, if you enter into any building, uh, you are required to record your information, your name, you know, your birth, and so on and so on. This information which is already in your card. So that information that's on a card has been registered by a particular body. But what the person at the entrance is doing is recording that information which has already been registered. So that's the difference between recordation and registration. And so if I get you right, what you mean is that recordation can then not happen without registration? Yeah, sure. Okay, thank you. And maybe as a follow-up, in your opinion of from the research that you've carried out, what would you say to be the, in terms of uh, growth uh, of trade and sale for recordation purposes, is there going to be a significant uh, change in that? Yeah, d definitely. Because of, um, you know, when you, when you talk about uh, counterfeiting, and of course, uh, illicit trade in general. This is something that happens and uh, it brings some kind of unfair competition to the local manufacturers, especially the genuine manufacturers. So with the IPR recordation is that uh, we want to empower the, the local brand owners uh, from the counterfeiting with their products. So you find that uh, with the recordation is that there will be less uh, influx of uh, counterfeited product into the country. Uh, that will make now the local manufacturers uh, to start you know, selling more of their products becoming more competitive and to be able to generate even, you know, job opportunities as well as also income to the country. I want now to keep it real. In this um, podcast, our tagline is, let's get real. And I want us to get real in terms of recordation. What is the process of recordation, um, of recording an intellectual property right with SEA and how much does it cost? Now, the process of recording intellectual property right with SEA is indicated in Regulation 3.1 of that counterfeit uh, recordation regulations of 2021. Now, the first thing that you need to do is you have to create an account uh, on, a, on a portal that's called the public.aims.aca.go.ke. Uh, that's www.public.aims.aca.go.ke. Now, once you have done that, you need then to log in as an IPR owner. Uh, of course, if you are not an IPR owner, then you can also log in as an agent. Uh, apply uh, to record the intellectual property right within that particular system. Uh, you enter the IPR owner's uh, details, uh, whether it's patents or whatever it is. Then you have to enter the type of the IPR. Is it patent? Is it uh, trademark? And so on. Then you need also to provide uh, the IPR details and then attach a certified IPR certificate into that particular system. Then you need also to provide the place of manufacture of those goods. And then the uh, second last is that you need to provide also the product details and then upload a clear representative images of that product. Because the essence here is that uh, for law enforcement is that they need to see the, the, the fiscal goods and then compare with what has already been uh, recorded uh, within the, the, the platform. And then you have to pay also an application fee. So uh, for recordation fees, you have to pay $90 for the first class and $10 for the subsequent uh, uh, class. Now, um, you spoke about recordation either by myself or through an agent. Who would you classify as an agent and how? what types of institutions can apply to be agents for recordation purposes? Well, basically an agent is somebody who has been uh, appointed uh, by the brand owner himself uh, to record the intellectual property right on their behalf. 
So they can be any person, including even the lawyers themselves. They have to meet certain qualifications uh, for them really to become uh, the agents. Uh, one of them, of course, they need to also to have a, be a member of a security firm. And of course, they need also to understand also issues of intellectual property. So they have to be uh, appointed by the IPR owners themselves uh, so that they can become agents. And are there any consequences of not recording? Uh, of course, if you don't record, uh, definitely you will, you, will, you, will, you will break the law because the law requires that uh, you have to record your products for any, any product that is going to be important in the country. They must be recorded. And you do mean any product. You know, the thought that came to my mind is those um, people that operate off of Moy Avenue right now who do sell clothes. On Dubois. <laughs> yes, on Dubois. And they buy these clothes from Turkey. They buy these clothes from China. And these clothes are clearly counterfeited goods of um, established brands. Must they also have those products recorded? And if, for instance, um, it's a minor change, so like um, it's the same shape, it's the same size, but it doesn't have particular um, special markings of that particular brand, are those people still going to be able to bring in their, <laughs> their goods? Well, we have uh, we have some exemptions, uh, definitely like, for example, the raw materials. Uh, the raw materials you don't need to, to record. Uh, we also have the secondhand clothes. Uh, those ones have also been exempted. Uh, some inputs have also been exempted and so on. So there are quite a number of other goods that have also been exempted, including also if you are also bringing in goods maybe for personal use, then those ones have also been exempted. So if I'm bringing in goods for personal use, those are exempted from recordation. Yeah, yeah, sure. If sure. Um, a person is bringing in on a large scale, secondhand clothes, mm, they're yeah. exempted from recordation. Yes. Raw goods are, rec are exempted from recordation. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, so, but I still feel like there might be uh, an interlap between an existing brand. For instance, in secondhand clothes, you would not be amiss to find an established brand's property brought in as secondhand clothes, but it still has the markings well, for second and clothes, uh, there's a bit of challenge because because these are used already used clothes. But if if you are bringing in goods um, which are new uh, for purposes of sale, then definitely you have to you have to record those particular intellectual property. Uh, and maybe if just take you back to the issue of um, agents and recordation. Uh, one of the requirements that you see under the regulations is that um, any agent that uh, wishes to undertake um, recordation on behalf of a manufacturer or an importer. Um, the, one of the requirements is a power of attorney. And just going over and above that, you'll find that what tends, tends to happen in most instances is that if, say, for instance, I want to be an agent under the anti-counterfeit AA authority, what I will do is that I'll apply for a sort of uh, blanket certificate, which uh, the ACO or any other government institution will then issue to me, which I can then, you know, front as an agent and then undertake subsequent registrations on behalf of anybody else who might wish um, to register through me. But I think there's been a bit of confusion in terms of, you know, if I want, um, once I procure a power of attorney, then I'll, the implication is that I'll need to come back to the anti-counterfeit uh, authority uh, every time I need to undertake registration on behalf of a, um, of a manufacturer or an importer. And I don't know whether there are uh, conversations you've had internally, just to see how you can minimize that, because I feel like that is a bit of a, uh, of a stumbling block in just the expediency and how quickly registration can be done on behalf of others. There are challenges um, with regard to the registration of agents, especially with the strict uh, requirements. Uh, for example, there are, you need to come up with a power of attorney. There are certain documents that needs to be notarized, especially if it's a foreign and so on. 
So we are, we are trying to relax some of those uh, conditions just to make sure that uh, it is easy actually for agents to become agents for, for specific uh, brand owners. So the purpose of an agent is that um, you are acting on behalf of a particular brand uh, owner for specific kind of you know, intellectual property rights whether it's patents, whatever it is, you know, different kind of goods. So when you come on board is that you're acting on behalf of a particular uh, brand owner. So the brand owner needs really to give you the permission to act on their behalf because some of the brand owners are outside the country, so they may not be able to set up their offices here. So you, when you come in, then you'll be acting on behalf of that uh, brand owner. So some of these requirements, we are trying to relax them to make sure that uh, it's easier for, for agents also to come on board. But that's one of the challenges that we're facing. Ah, okay, and um, I think when you when you first started this in your definition of recordation, you you mentioned of keeping or having um, a database. So if I as a as a supplier, distributor, or anybody else who wishes to you know um, distribute a product, do you guys intend on having a database, or does that already exist for all the brands that have been recorded? Essentially, uh, with I didn't mention that the, the, the main purpose of recordation is to protect the brand owners, the genuine brand owners from the counterfeiting of their products. So essentially that we want all the brand owners to ensure that their products have been recorded with ACA uh, so that whoever wants to import this particular product will be able to check within the system uh, whether these uh, products have already been recorded with ACA. Because if they've been recorded, then it's easier for them now to import and uh, the various law enforcement agencies like KRA even CAPS at the border points will be able now to compare what, what has been uh, imported vis-a-vis uh, -vis what is already in the system. So our main aim is to ensure that as, as, as many brand owners as possible are able to record the intellectual property right with ACA uh, to enable now the importers now to import those particular products into the country. Because now if you're importing something that is or that's not uh, recorded with ACA, then make it uh, a bit difficult for ACA now to check whether those products are counterfeit or not. But once they've been recorded, then uh, you're actually empowering. In fact, we're working with the, with the Kenya Bureau of Standard uh, through their PVOC agents. Uh, they'll be using our database now to check on those products that are being imported in the country. So they'll be checking on issues of, uh, of whether the products are substandard. And secondly, they'll have also to confirm whether those products are actually counterfeit by looking at what has been recorded uh, with ACA. And um, I, I wanted also to just follow on on that. So if I want to get access to that, that database, where would I go? Would I go to the same platform that we used to register for recordation? Where, yes. Where exactly would you, you will go? You'll go actually to the same system. So you, you need to log in to the AIM system, uh, HTTPS um, slash public.aims.aca.go.ke. That platform, I don't know whether you'll be able to see, it looks like that. That's, uh, that's the platform. So you'll be able now to log in there. Um, and uh, then you will be able now to provide the information that is required. So if you look at that particular system, you can log in as the IPR owner or the IPR agent. Uh, consumers can also log in, especially if they are laying a complaint about a counterfeit of the product that they have uh, purchased. And then uh, if, let's say, a suspect also would want also to enter into uh, an ADR form of kind of um, uh, dispute solution, they can also log in and then they can apply for that uh, particular facility. So what we are telling our, con our listeners, now that you cannot see what we're looking at, is that the platform is live and you can log in as an IPR owner, you can log in as an IPR agent, you can log in as a consumer, you can also log in as a suspect. If you're suspected of <laughs> acquiring or importing counterfeited goods, you can go in and through that portal request for ADR, Alternative Dispute Resolution. I'd like to ask... Um, 
what would probably be my final question. When we began talking about recordation, there was a leaning towards foreign goods. At which point will we do that as ACA envision making the recordation of local goods mandatory? Well, currently, the recordation of local goods is not mandatory. It's actually optional. But uh, we would also want to encourage even the local manufacturers also to ensure that the intellectual property rights have also been recorded with the, with the ACA. Because even these local manufacturer products are also being counterfeited. And we can only protect them if these uh, goods have been recorded with ACA so that whoever is importing uh, goods into the country will be able now to take action. We have actually seen cases where, for example, uh, pens which are being manufactured here in the country are being you know, counterfeited outside the country. And we have been seizing these goods in the high seas uh, for products which are actually being, you know, manufactured here in the country. So if these goods were, were recorded, then it would make it easier for us now to take appropriate action by stopping this good from entering into the country. So mine is just to urge the local manufacturers to ensure that their products are being recorded with ACA for their own protection. And I guess um, on my side, what would be a final question is, at some point you've mentioned um, how you are working closely with... Um, Kenya Bureau of Standards. And maybe if you could just reiterate that as well as how you are working with, you know, Customs Border Control, which is the KRA, um, just to ensure that, you know, um, recordation goes smoothly and, you know, there's no overlap of functions between yourselves, um, KEBS and KRA. Now, if you look at uh, the functions of KEBS, is basically to uh, to ensure that uh, products conform to uh, to, to standards. If you look at KRA, KRA deals, of course, with tax, uh, you know, compliance. But counterfeiting is is, a, is an offense. It's part of the illicit trade that uh, really cuts across quite a number of other sectors. For example, whoever is counterfeiting could also be evading taxes, could also be selling, you know, substandard goods and so on. So you find that um, high percentage of counterfeited products they are also substandard. So. Through this kind of collaboration, we're able to work with Kenya Bureau of Standard, with KRA, you know, with Weta and Measures, yeah, KFIS, Pharmacy and Poison Board, and so on, and other government agencies. So that whenever we conduct um, a raid or even enforcement, we're able now to do it together. And uh, the purpose of doing this is to ensure that uh, when we come up with uh, charges, you know, to be presented in court, we'll be able to come up with what's called the multiple charges. So we'll be able to charge this aspect for counterfeiting, we'll be able to charge this person for selling uh, substandard goods, or even evading taxes and so on. So we make it even more punitive uh, for this aspect. So that's the idea of us collaborating together. And in the year 2018, we've been able to work together under the multi-agency framework, and we're able to seize over 3 billion worth of illicit goods, and half of that were actually destroyed. So it's because of that multi-agency effort, we've been able to put a lot of pressure and ensure that uh, non-conforming goods have been seized and destroyed. Thank you for that. That brings us to the end of this episode. I'd like to thank my guest, Dr. John Akoteng. Thank you so much, Jane, for welcoming you to this episode. Thank you. And I'd also like to thank my co-host, Wilson Mahome. Thank you so much, Jean, for having me. Um, I guess our final remark would be, I expect some follow-up questions from, from our audience, and I hope uh, Dr. Akoten would be uh, graceful enough to come for a second session. Sure, I'll be, I'll be available. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm your host, Jean Kamboni. Tell us what you think about this episode and our new format in the comment section of our social media pages or on email. Our email address is info at gvalawfirm.com. You can also follow Gikera and Vadgama Advocates on social media. You can find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as GVA Law Firm. Thank you again for joining us on the GVA Legal Podcast. Let's get